I do not know who said it first. I know who said it best. My rock god, Steven Tyler. The train kept a rolling all night long. The train kept a rolling all night long. This train is leaving the station, and guess what? Tonight is going to be a train wreck. I am back from COVID. <laughs> Not better than ever. I'm trying my damnedest. Uh, somehow, I scheduled this for tomorrow at 4 a.m., but it says you can start the show early. We're a little early, so if you're waiting for 4 a.m., I've got good news. You can, you can, you don't have to stay up quite that late to talk to us. Um, I'm in a different room. I've got a brand new puppy that we got um, 12 hours ago. I've got a dog over there who is insane. I could have Dog World War Three in this place. So we're gonna find out what the hell Kevin's return to explain yourself is, but we've got a bunch of cool people with us. As always, we got Will Allred. Thank you for uh, flying the ship for almost a month, Will. Uh, I enjoyed all the shows. Uh, how are you? I haven't talked to you in a long time now. I know. It's been quite a while. I'm glad you're feeling better, man. Uh, I'm uh, getting by. It's been uh, it's been weird not having you around every week. Uh, but I did, you know, we did have a great co-host with uh, totally Kevin Joseph, uh, who is actually, you know, Matta there. So <laughs> it was, it was fun. You. Yeah, let's, let's start our elevator roundtable. And since you came in and uh, took a burden off of me. Matt, I'll let you go first. A 30-second pitch on not sacrimony. Yes. Well, uh, I decided to do an entire new comic because my other sacrimony project got delayed. So, you know, I was like, I'm just going to write and draw another thing meanwhile. Because that's how you do, right? Yeah. So, yeah, it is The Misadventures of Buddy and Friend. And basically, it is a comic that reads like a D&D campaign where everyone rolls a one. All right. And Todd, Kelly, let's let's talk about uh, your campaign. I have seen you at a convention. I've seen you pitch, but I've never seen you pitch this book because it's brand new. So how would you pitch this book at a comic convention? So this is an all ages comic. Uh, it's called Sheldor the Defender. And uh, the best way I can say is the, uh, the bestest boy has bitten off more than he can chew. Uh, Sheldor is a warrior dog, and he has been tasked with training his new uh, puppy apprentice on how to protect their people. And they're going to go up against, you know, the great threats that, that warrior dogs do, like, you know, the stuffed animal that got left out in the backyard or uh, the UPS truck or, uh, you know, maybe just the dogs on the other side of the fence that they haven't quite met yet. So uh, their misadventures are a lot of fun. I love everything about that. <laughs> Kevin, right. your dog's got to get on that. Yeah, I just I just hope they're sleeping. I just please God be quiet tonight, guys. <laughs> um, so Ari, how would we uh, how would we get uh, people's attention at a comic convention on the book that you're kickstarting? Sure, uh, Awakening is a is a one shot uh, Star Trek inspired uh, science fiction. A spaceship sits at the edge of an unexplored anomaly when its navigator starts looking towards the readers and claiming he can see things that nobody else can see. Uh, things go from uh, bad to worse to interesting to you'll have to read the rest to find out. Oh, I love that's a nice. I, I like that. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to uh, take a snippet of that and uh, study it the next time I, I go to a <laughs> show. I'm stealing that. That's awesome, um, Scott. We're gonna do the last for first or the first for last. Why don't you give us the 30 second pitch and then we'll go a deep dive straight into the Crime Busters. Sure. Yeah, my series of Crime Busters. Uh, it's basically Scooby-Doo meets Lovecraft. 
So it's sort of uh, my um, love letter to things like the three investigators and Nancy Drew and all those classic teen detectives where they uh, investigate, you know, ghosts and haunted houses and stuff. But in this case, unlike the original Scooby-Doo cartoon, sometimes there's actually ghosts and supernatural things. It's not just the guy in a mask every single time. So uh, that's, that's basically what Crime Busters is. Oh, beautiful. Can you uh, present the page or should I grab sure. it? Yeah, I can do it. Oh, beautiful. So as you pick that up, this, I believe you had said, this is one of the first books that you're not doing the art duties on. Is that correct? That's right. So issue five um, is the one that's currently live here on Kickstarter. And this is the first one that I didn't draw myself. So I've kind of been uh, slowly ramping things up. The, f the first three issues, I did everything by myself. Mm -hmm. um, I did... Uh, all edge literally everything in the book myself issue four um and those first two issues are on black and white because i'm colorblind and i couldn't color so issue four i decided to do four uh so issue four is the first color is the first one i don't know and i got that in this blog map that one and you can see this couple i think we lost you there yeah yeah i uh, i'm in a different room when i wasn't sure i think possibly maybe your microphone cord kind of slipped out yeah you sounded a little like underwater can you still hear me that's yeah. okay perfect, perfect. Huh, um, this, the, the good news is we edit this by the time this is a podcast it'll be super clean perfect no one will know any of this i am lying we don't do nothing but that's the beauty of explain yourself because we don't care um so let's let's start that over from i know you did issues uh one through three everything right so, he, he was saying uh they were black and white and then hired a colorist so that's right uh but with issue five and let me know if you if my mic goes out again um okay I won't, I won't be able to tell but uh with issue five i've brought in a guy to uh do the art a guy by the name of uh, mac radwanski he's going to be doing um issue six as well at least i think you know, hopefully he's going to be my regular penciler going forward so you know now i'm just doing the writing and and the publishing and i have um, an art team so we can get the issues out faster right. um get it more more regularly because it takes me it would take me like 10 months to do a single issue so now we're trying to get them out two or three a year well you know which writer started out uh just wanting to write and draw his own comics right i Alan don't Moore. know alan moore yeah yeah so i mean there's i've almost got the beard but not quite yeah. I, I just need to do that. There, there's a there's a path to doing this, being the gr greatest writer of your generation and becoming a sorcerer. So you're well <laughs> on your way, and I'm excited to see it happen. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm hopefully I'm going to be a warlock soon, but for now, um, I'm just focusing on the comic book writing part of it. I think uh, you need a longer beard to be a sorcerer. Yeah, and I need to get some of those those big finger rings that he always has yeah. in his, with the claws on them. So where um, did you find the um, your your illustrator? Did, did you reach out to find him, or, or did he come to you? Yeah, actually, I found him on Facebook. There's a group on Facebook called uh, Connecting Comic Book Writers and Artists, mm -hmm. and there's artists that post there, like multiple artists every day are posting their their samples. Um, and so I kind of anyone that catches my interest, where I like their style and they're in my price range, I sort of mm -hmm. save. So I've got like a, anytime I go to my save thing, I've got a, like a, just a list of all these different artists and Mac was someone who, who's, you know, I draw on an Archie comic style 
and um, with his style, you know, it's it's similar enough. It's cartoony, but he has a little more, um, a little more weight to it. Um, like a little more. Like when we get down to the art sample, you can see uh, he's just uh, for me his art is better than mine. So it was kind of a win across the board, where it's going to be faster and better. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. How does it feel like relinquishing artistic control? Because like I also draw, so it's like it's very interesting to think of someone who started off like drawing their own stuff, and now it's just like finding an artist to take over. How does it feel? It's a mixed bag. Um, it's it's I try and give my artists because um, I do have a couple artists working on other titles at the moment, and I try and give them as much leeway as I can. I want them to be able to express themselves, and they're the artists. They have a sometimes a better vision than I do. But then there's other times where I have something very specific in mind. And if they don't get that, I'm kind of like, this isn't, this isn't quite what I, the way I wanted. Um, you know, when I did Cthulhu versus Uncle Sam, my other, one of my other titles, we did that Marvel style. So I just gave him a, a plot breakdown and I, and then he did the pages. And when I got them, then I had to add the dialogue based on, the art and there were times where he drew things where i was like whoa i don't know what he was doing here but now i've got to figure out how to script that so that it makes okay. sense to the reader um it was interesting uh but yeah sometimes you know it's a mixed bag sometimes he comes up with stuff you know the artists come up with stuff that i wasn't expecting that's better than what i had in mind and then other times it's just not not quite what i was looking for but um i'm pretty happy with all of with max work um yeah so well, you said that the the Uncle Sam was Marvel style, so that that implies to me that this is more full script. This was full script, yeah. Uh, what what do you prefer to write as as somebody who comes from drawing their own own stuff? Did you did you Marvel style your own art, or or did you full script when you were doing the the art? I didn't write out anything when I was doing mine. <laughs> like sometimes I'd write out just like a brief breakdown, or, or I'll do like a um. I plot in terms of a two page segments because I always like, because you'll be looking at the two pages together. So I want to have like cliffhangers to get you to turn the page and stuff like that. So I would write out a thing with like pages two and three, here's what happens, pages four, five, here's what happens. But it would just be like a sentence. Mm -hmm. um, and there'd be times when I would be drawing and I'd be like, oh, I, I said this is supposed to be two pages, but I need three or I only need one and then I'd have to figure it out. But yeah, I didn't do any scripting at all when I was drawing myself. I just sort of winged it. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, here's the, you know, the section where I try and convince people that they're going to like the comic. Uh, <laughs> bring them like the... Super you know, important <laughs> section. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> You know, I was just talking about, uh, you know, Nancy Drew, the three investigators, um, for those of you who are of a certain age, may remember that book series. But as a kid, you know, in the early 80s, I absolutely loved those books um, and Scooby-Doo. But also I have a thing, um, which I guess I'll, I'll talk to you about in the next section, where I have a sort of overlapping different audiences, because one of my characters is a golden age public domain character that I'm reviving. So I have a lot of golden age public domain superhero fans um which are like a completely different audience um so this is the section here where i'm talking about the variant covers um so every issue i do a variant cover that looks like a nancy drew book cover um and it features uh one of my two my co-leads this is trixie trouble 
who's yeah. the um the the sleuth uh this was a another artist that i found in that same facebook group um named len m and she absolutely killed it like this is probably the fa my favorite thing anyone's ever done for any of my projects is this cover here because it's exactly the the whole mood this is like this is the whole comic right here you just need to see this picture and you know exactly what it is i was gonna say that cover alone kind of sells it for me like if you just showed me that i'd be like okay cool i'll back it yeah when yeah, I, I set up my kickstarter page i had um the dinosaur coming through the wall with and chuck with the sword here that was my header image up here but after about a day i was like you know what i really need to switch that to to the Trixie cover because this is this is the whole comic right here is this picture <laughs> yeah. yeah you know exactly what you're getting when you see that yeah mm -hmm. you, you you say nancy drew and i have i have a full a real choose your own adventure vibe from it too i feel like mm -hmm. she could go left right or through the wall and what should she do yeah at some point i'm gonna do a, a choose your own adventure variant cover i just haven't gotten to it yet um so I do one of these every issue. So like there's people, I have a few like readers who only buy the Trixie's covers. So they have like a set where all of the issues look like uh, a full set of, of the book covers. Uh -huh. um, and then the other one I do it features Chuck, the, the male lead. And that's the boy comics cover because he, um, he's a golden age character who's in the public domain. And um, his series, Boy Comics, ran for 100, up to issue 119. <clears throat> so it ran for 14 years. And um, I picked up the continuity right where his series ended in 1956. So with this variant cover series, I continued the logo and the numbering from the original series. And I have a, every issue I do a new one of this. And again, I have uh, like Golden Age fans that only buy the Boy Comics variant, so they have just those sets. Cool. That's cool. What's what was so compelling about this uh, this character that you wanted to to continue uh, his story? Uh, you know, it, it ties in a lot with um, with my love of the things like the the three investigators and um, just the the whole teen detective vibe. Um, I describe I try and describe him as like um, he's basically what if Batman was middle class because his <laughs> origin story is almost exactly the same as Batman. He's a kid whose parents basically were murdered in front of him. And he decided to fight crime, but he doesn't have any money or training. So he's just like a really athletic, like 14 year old at the beginning of the series who wants to help people. Um, and since, you know, since he's a kid himself, he can't have a kid sidekick. So he ends up with a monkey for a sidekick. Uh, so that's like his Robin. And then he just runs around fighting crime and solving mysteries. It'd be great if you had like a four year old helping him. <laughs> As a as someone who has an almost four year old, they would not be very helpful. No, no. <laughs> but if you've ever seen any of like the nineteen forty five Batman's when they had like a really a twelve year old, Robin gets knocked out every single serialized episode. Robin didn't help then either. It was actually very realistic. You've got these thirty five year old men just punching a kid right in the face and Robin goes straight down unconscious. It's yeah, how he didn't end up with like permanent brain damage, I have no idea. Exactly. 
What well, I can so, attest is if you go with the four-year-old sidekick, whenever you've got to get out of the house to get to actually go solve the crime, it's going to take you an hour and a half. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, the squeaks the monkey in the original series is actually much more useful. There's a lot of times in there where he he figures out the crime, but since he can't talk, he'll just point and he'll be like squeak, 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 and then Chuck will be like, "Stop bothering me, monkey!" And then later on, he turns out, "Oh, squeaks knew it all along." <laughs> Yeah, um, that's great. Did you read these comics, or did you? Yeah, I have a, I have a complete run. I've got all 117 issues of the original series. Well, nice. Um, and so it's really actually very handy for like. Uh, I'm getting a little bit of an echo there. Um, it's handy for like the PDFs. So one thing I do is, um, for my first stretch goal, I always add a bunch of digital awards so everyone can have them, and I'll basically add on a bunch of. Uh, of his golden age stories and since they're on the public domain so i can add an extra 20 30 40 pages of complete comic stories featuring this character that i can just you know just add in for free with it really without any, doing any work myself um, that's, that's so smart smart very smart yeah well, there's like certain characters and stuff that are referenced from the original series uh so i'll add in those stories um, so the, like, if I say, oh, the, you know, this happened in issue 107, then in the PDF, it'll be the issue 107 story. That's, that's great. Cool. We're getting a little, uh, a little echo again, but, um, uh, what, what's one of the tiers that you're interested in? Um, it, it, like, it, like catch up tiers, what's the tier that you really want people to hear about? Yeah, I have the ketchup tears is what I really want. I've got three different ones. Let me scroll down. Um, that is also a very cool cover, the one with the uh, skull on there, by the way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah this is the queen in yellow, and um, I did it like a tarot card cover. I'm a uh, sucker for tarot cards. I don't believe in them at all, but I love the imagery. Yeah, me too. Um, and that's a Kickstarter exclusive cover. I do one of those every issue as well. So let me scroll down so you can see the... Um, the the ketchups so i basically have the set of the regular covers but then you could also get the set of um uh all of the trixie covers or you can get the set of all the boy commerce covers oh they all look so cool side by side yeah, yeah. it's really solid so those are the ones that I'm really trying to get in the new the new readers the new backers who ha haven't missed the previous ones. So these are the these are the ones that I'm really trying to push. And I only have a few left because my print run is very small. And I particularly the last issue I'm going to be going to trade after this issue. Um, and so I didn't want to print too many because I knew I'd kind of get stuck with them after that. So. All right. No, that that is awesome. Uh, we're gonna pop over to one of the other campaigns. So I'm going to ask you to stop. You got it. You're faster than I am. Beautiful. Because um, I'm afraid if I pull it out, I'll have to say good night. Now, I know that you're hanging with us for a little bit, but if it if it's time to take off, just let us know you're getting out of here, and uh, we'll appreciate it. Um, let's go, uh, Ari. Let's let's talk awakening. I'm going to pull this up because I believe. Um, I believe we talked about it, and this is going to be my job. So, um, talk us through, uh, you know, the the, uh, the the sparkle in the daddy's eye. Where did where did awakenings come from? Uh, so, the story for awakening. Sometimes I get a story, pretty much fully fleshed. I mean, not the details, but the 
basic main trajectory of the story. Uh, and this was one of them. I just sort of, even before I, I did some other stuff, it was sitting with me for a while. And it took me, it took me a little while before I sort of found the right uh, format to, to, uh, to do it in. Uh, I was doing a lot of, when I, so I started writing comics about, well, shortly after the pandemic started. Uh, I had a long story, uh, which is, uh, excuse me, I wrote like 12 issues basically of like a long thing. Uh, and then when I was ready to uh, ready to turn to a comic, I went back and people said, well, do something smaller. So I've done some shorts, and this is my first single issue. I've done about eight or nine stories that are 10 pages and less. And this is a webtoon that's like a lot of, a lot of panels, like one mega thing. But this is my first one shot. I want to understand you know, how to actually do a Kickstarter campaign, launch a single issue, produce one issue of a comic, like a physical thing, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so I, for, as far as the story is, I mean, I love uh, comics and the, uh, uh, I, I love what they can do. And I think this is one of those comics that's trying to draw on a lot of different traditions. So there's, it, there's the tradition of uh, characters looking right at the reader and kind of talking to them and kind of that fourth wall breaking thing, uh, which of course has had many different uh, characters throughout the years. And this is what I like to call the fourth wall questioning. Uh, comic in the sense that for most of it, Lau is looking directly at the readers, and the question is, what is he looking at? Is it a thing or not? Uh, and how does that affect anything else going on with the anomaly here, uh, with the relationship between the people in the uh, in the ship? Uh, and you'll sort of see how it all how it all shakes out. Uh, it also gave. I also wanted to use Star Trek because, first of all, I love Star Trek. I, I think it's. I love science fiction. I think it's a great way to tell stories and explore interesting moral quandaries, interesting, uh, you know, speculative concepts. I mean, it's just what sci-fi does. So fantasy does it too, but, you know, this is just a big one. I think it works better for sci-fi in this one. For, as you go on, you'll sort of see how it all goes. Uh, and I also like the idea of using Star Trek to quickly get people into the story. So they don't really have to. I mean, if you know anything about Star Trek, you can read the first five pages, like, right up to there, right up there, mm -hmm. and no one has to explain to you, like, who the people are on the ship and kind of what they're doing when they're talking like you know sort of tech uh their tech you know their tech language you sort of you, you get it you know it helps bring the reader up to speed very quickly uh and i i always and star trek was funny because it's one of those stories that back in the day used to be able to pitch the tv network i believe until ds9 you could send a star trek script oh wow uh, uh yeah i heard this is true to the uh even to like next gen and they would read it and say hey this is you know it's it's kind of like anyone could have a Star Trek story, and I sort of like this is my Star Trek story. So I kind of want to contribute to that uh, tradition. I got really Felker, as you can see on the uh, the cover. I, I think yeah. I saw you guys have Tart uh, in the beginning. Uh, I'm pretty mm -hmm. sure she covers for that too. Yeah, she she did she did a, a Scout Comics web store exclusive and uh, absolutely killed it. And I think she's done a crossover division, right? Well, yeah, number four, okay. which is hopefully going to be delivered soon yeah. from the printer oh uh, yeah she, she's busy I, I can attest to that uh, right now she's she's got her own thing uh, that she's uh that she's showing hard but uh so yeah as, as for the tiers uh we have the digital we have physical tier uh we have this cool postcard anything of the commander and commander's like the physical plus you get back recognition in the book i sign the copy and you get this postcard which contains some sort of story related or maybe not information on the background don't want to give away too much this, okay. the backside and this cool uh beach day postcard we've got stickers which uh i designed uh, a bunch of them and a uh, combination of, of just of, of 
from this story, Awakening, and uh, my this is my personal College Street Comics. That's my production company. Since I'm, I'm doing this myself, I give myself a name. I'm near College Street in Toronto, so oh sweet. And a raccoon is like the informal uh, mascot of Toronto, so it's sort of like people in the know. It's like a very local kind of reference. Well, yeah, and Philhound is, I, I don't know exactly where, but she's up in your basic area, right? Yeah, she's, I can't, I don't know if she's downtown GTA or Greater Toronto or whatever, but she's she's around, yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh, and actually, my uh, my artist, uh, Greg Warrenshack, he's from Ottawa, which isn't exactly Toronto, but it's close enough, you know. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mostly Canadian, well, mostly Canadian. I mean, Aubrey is, and uh, my colorist are Canadian, but uh, a surprisingly Canadian team, which I didn't expect starting this, but. Uh, that uh, should be part know, of your pitch. Yeah. That yeah, should be. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's a neglect, a sad neglected part of my pitch. I always forget to mention. Uh, one tier, if I can uh, pitch one more tier, the one above it, uh, you have the admiral tier. The founder tier is you uh, you can get whatever you uh, all the rewards plus original uh, page art, which I think is great. Uh, but I'm actually really excited about the admiral tier because you get a sketch from Greg. That is me, my arms draped around the legs of Goldhawk, the security uh, the security <laughs> officer, Commander Goldhawk. Uh, so this is, I just asked him, give me a quick sketch so I can show you what it is. <laughs> that uh, is adorable. Yeah, anybody, <laughs> he will do a sketch of you or anybody else uh, with anyone from from the books. Uh, he's got a great, uh, great set of, sense of humor and uh, I don't know, just a great way of drawing people and characters. So I would strongly encourage anyone to get one of those, I, I forget what I priced it at. It's it's a, it's a little more, but not that's like all so that's the admiral. Yeah. Let's see down here. Yeah. So if you're American, you probably uh, get this for slightly cheaper anyway. So was it ninety dollars Canadian? So that's not so yeah. Bad. So that's what about seventy eight American maybe. Wait, it it said it had the the translation. It was uh, sixty seven. Yeah, sixty seven. Okay. Maybe yeah. the American doing really well. <laughs> I'll take it. Uh, so if anyone wants to sketch, that's the one tier I'm, I'm, I'm trying to sell at the moment because I think uh, I think they're great, and I think it would be a great opportunity to have an original piece of art from him. Of course, if you want to get the biggest tier, the founder tier, that contains the original art as well. Uh, if you want to do that, and you, you just, yeah, you know what, it, I'll leave that back. Will this be <laughs> a, a page from the interior of the comic? Yeah, that's a page from the interior comic, exactly. And some of them, he did a page on both sides, and sometimes he did a pencil on one side and ink on the other side. There's he kind of did a, a totally like different method for it, almost for like he started it one way and then ended another way. So doing this, I was like, well, we got a bunch of pages. If we have like <laughs> you know, if ten people want them, then we'll have to like maybe start to think about which ones are the best. But I have a feeling that you know, if five people or less, then everyone's going to get a particularly nice looking page. I, I always feel like. Um... It's it's first come first served, and uh, so the first person that backed it gets to choose their favorite, and well, number number ten gets the the tenth page. You know, so there you go, back early and back often. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> oh, very cool. So congratulations on finishing your first one shot. That is, you did it. Like did you, it. you did the thing, man. That's amazing. Yeah, mm -hmm. I really want to learn how the process works at every step of the way and to learn for future uh, comics for ongoing series. Before I start like publishing my ongoing series, I've got art coming back from it, I'm really excited about it. Before I do any of that, learn what are the things I want to do, what are the things I think I can do pretty well. Like I'm good with like uh, illustrator and design, I'm not good with drawing. So anything that's like, I need to, you know, muck stuff up. Like I did the logo for this comic, but I used, you know, existing resources like, you know, the, the anomaly uh, 
to help with that. You know, so it's like figure out what I'm good at, what I like, and then uh, dedicate myself to doing more of that in the future. And the stuff that I find is complicated and awkward and weird, and maybe I'm not so good at, uh, either get better at that or delegate to somebody else. No, no, just get more awkward and weirder until like, that's your thing. <laughs> it will get awkward and weird, but about different stuff. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's awesome. I do know from uh, past experience that we are keeping Matt up past bedtime. So we're going to go to you now before before we turn into a pumpkin here. Uh, uh, no, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm cool to hang out. Yeah. We're but, still just we're gonna make Todd we're gonna make Todd hang. So let's are you gonna right. pull up your page and, and, and I can I can pull up a page. Let's see. Let's do it. All right. Uh don't share the incriminating screen. Does it let me pick? <laughs> yes, it does. It okay, does. yeah. All right. Well, Gotta be careful with that. <laughs> did it yeah, oh cool. It did the thing, I think. I think I see it down below and I can pop it up. Here we go. Yay. All right. It is my campaign. <laughs> it is The Misadventures of Buddy and Friend. It is a cute, funny, lighthearted story, chock full of dark humor that reads like a D&D campaign where everyone rolls a one. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, oh, man, what do I even say about it right now? You know, I love, like, co-hosting the show, and then when I'm, like, a guest, I'm like, the hell am I doing? Uh, someone <laughs> asked me a question. <laughs> So okay, I've got I've got one for you. You know, All right. I'll, I'll throw you a softball. Um, Sacrimony has a very specific feel and tone and look to it. You know, you know this this is not Sacrimony. No, all. it's not. So, How wild is that? <laughs> so what uh, what was kind of your you know did you just did you I know you said that uh, you know scheduling but. To work on this, I mean, did you want to just go in a completely different direction? What was kind of your inspiration for this? Uh, well, my inspiration is, like, I don't want to be that person that does the same thing over and over again. So, like, if I'm if I'm doing a comic, it's going to feel completely different from, like, any other comic I've done. Like, I'm kind of like a chameleon. Like, before I started seriously working on Sacrimony, I had, like, a lot of different art styles going on. I was able to mimic other artists' styles, so it's just, like, it's fun to be able to do that and not have to do the same thing over and over again. And, yeah, I just, I wanted a story that was, like, like stupidly funny and just, like, because, you know, sometimes you're tired of stories that are, like, dark and gritty with lots of emotional baggage. And it's, like, I just I just want to do something incredibly stupid right now. So this is me just getting all of that stupidity out there. Nice. <laughs> and the, the art, I, I had made the mistake. The art felt a little, like, you know, all ages. And you're, like, no, 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 no. <laughs> you know, so I want, so... Oh, let's, so, let's get into that, actually. Yeah, let, let, let's get into the fact that this is for a slightly older audience. I mean, I'm yeah, sure. I mean, there's there's blood, there's like there's cursing, there's like you know, there's there's lots of fights. There's it's not as rough as whatever else you have on your computer, apparently. <laughs> you can edit that out, right? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I go through this with a fine tooth comb. You got it. Uh huh. So yeah, it's just like cutesy looking characters beating the shit out of each other basically 
Uh, I mean, there's, there is a lot of nuance behind the scenes to the characters. Like, as you get to know them, you get to learn, like, what their deal really is. Because I still like to incorporate, like, all right, well, they've got, like, this going on and that, like, you know, weird quirks. And they, they do have emotional baggage, but it's, like, funny emotional baggage. So I guess it gets a pass. Uh, so, Sacramony, you've been cooking up in your head for um, basically your entire life. How, how long has this pie been baking? Uh, it, I created it on a whim, actually, in, like, around 2012. I was going through, like, a really rough patch for, like, literal years, so this helped me, like, pull out of, like, a really terrible depression spiral, basically. Like, it gave me a reason to, like, you know, get out of bed, even if it was at, like, 3 p.m. or whatever, just to, like, just to do the thing. Okay. Respect. Mm -hmm. Nice. Yeah. I... So yeah, even though it's like stupidly funny, it helped me out of like a super duper dark place. And yeah, I, I have so much love for this comic because of that. It's it's funny. Todd and I were at a, a show about four weeks ago, and, and we met a woman who had a tattoo from. Um, oh gosh, help me out, Todd. What was the show? Supernatural. Yeah, yeah supernatural. And and it was I think the tattoo. I don't know the show, but the tattoo was uh, basically about pain, and she talked about how the show had allowed her to get through some very personal things and dealing with pain and and it's a creator or somebody who's taking in entertainment we can we can all use art to get through these hurdles and it's kind of amazing to hear it that, that people do it on, on both sides of of the aisle yeah, I mean, like, art and entertainment is so underrated. Like, it really does have the power to heal. It has the power to help people just, like, process what the hell is going on in their life. Like, when they see another character going through something and they're like, hey, that's what I'm going through. And, you know, it just, it brings a deeper understanding of just what's going on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it, I mean, and not, and it doesn't just help us as, you know, readers or viewers or whatever, but... You know, it helps the people that create it too. I mean, it art makes the world a better place. In yeah, so absolutely, many especially art with dick and fart jokes. Yes, exactly. always, always, <laughs> and gratuitous violence. Yes, of course. Yes. Oh, oh, got it. <laughs> absolutely necessary. I see yes. <laughs> How many maces are in this book? Uh, well, there is a character with a flail and shield, which is one of my uh, favorite combinations. It's the main character, Buddy. Like, I just, I came up with his name on such a whim. I was just like, he looks like a buddy. Like, so he's just going to be Buddy. Is that a shield with just like a neutral face on it? Yes, it is. And it actually, the expression does change when it gets hit. It's a little hard to see here, but it's kind of like wincing when it gets hit with the club. Absolutely no explanation behind it whatsoever, and it will never be explained, but it's a thing. Nice. <laughs> this is like, I'm just going to leave an explanation for that. Yeah. Do you just find that when you're drawing it, or is it something you're thinking about before you start? Uh, I've said this before, like, my head is completely empty, so I don't know what's going to happen until I actually draw it. So then I start to, like, figure out, like, all right, well, this needs something weird. Like, like a lot of the visual gags just happen, like, as I'm drawing it. Yeah. So you and Scott come at your, your the things you write and draw the same way, just like... Yes, we, we are kindred spirits. Paper, I can go. Oh, I do yep. have to say, like, I, I, even though I haven't written anything out, like, I have things detail plan in my head so like i've got crime busters issues planned out to issue 30 and i know like what happens 
with everything up to there. But Amazing. I, I love like uh, what you're doing here with this, um, the, the freedom just to not plan everything out in advance. It's very liberating. <laughs> yeah, and but I mean, some of the greatest authors of all time do one or the other too. You know, Stephen yeah. King and, and Mark Twain sit down and find out what story they're going to write as they write 200 in Mark Twain's uh, and or 9,000 pages in Stephen King's. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But then other people have to have an 88 page outline in order to write their 110 page novella. And yeah. it's super interesting that some people just have to work one way or the other. And yet the book at the end, you know, if, if a, a writer is good enough and you like their type, the way they write, it doesn't matter how you get to it. It's just mm -hmm. what's, what ends up on the page. It doesn't matter how it's done. Yeah, it's so wild well, that the end result is kind of like the same. It's like, all right, well, you're getting a book with words in it, but you never really know like the process of what's going on behind the scenes. And it's always super fascinating. Yeah, I mean, Stephen King sat down to write uh, a, probably about a six or eight page short story. Um, and he couldn't go to sleep. He was 42 pages into misery and he decided maybe this guy's going to survive. You know, it's like <laughs> misery started as a short story where the author was going to die and his skin was going to be used to make the book. That's that's what <laughs> misery was going to be. But Amazing. I, I, I think the character Paul Sheldon, right? I, I, he yeah. was he just kept getting out of the jams that Stephen King created for him. And he was like, well, I, I mean, he's alive so far. I guess I'll put this down and I'll write tomorrow. It's, <laughs> If you, um, I we've talked about it before, but Stephen King's on writing is the best writing book I've ever read. Um, mm -hmm. The first half is kind of uh, a memoir, and the second half really is just a really great um, how-to writing book, and I, I recommend it. And that that story's in it where he was kind of talking about how some people outline to death, and he just can't do that. He just has to find the story. You know, he does multiple drafts. He fixes the stuff that. Yeah. stunk in the first the first draft but he doesn't do any outlining yeah i think i love that there's there's no right or wrong way to be creative and a lot of people think like oh well i have to do this i have to write this like you know 80 page outline before i do this like no just just do the thing in whatever way you're most comfortable with and you'll get the best result and yet well, for I, them yeah. they have to yeah well you know some i i feel like some Sometimes that can be used as a crutch, you know, mm -hmm. oh, I've got to do this because I don't feel like I'm ready to do this yet. Um, but, you know, again, it's, it doesn't matter. Everybody does it differently. And it, like you said, it, the end result is what matters. So just do whatever. Also, spoiler alert, you're never ready, ever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so there you go. You're, you're absolutely spot on. I mean, sometimes you just got to get out there and do it. Mm-hmm. Well, Ari, Ari and Todd, do you guys kind of outline before you get into an issue of a book or do you do you wing it as you sit down and write the first draft? Uh, I wing the first draft and then I turn the first draft into an outline. OK, and then and then rewrite it from there. Yeah. And then I just kind of break it down. to like what can I what actually should happen? Like, is there some random stuff that like just doesn't need to take place? Like, you know, stuff like that. So. It's kind of take out what doesn't need to be there and then you know tighten it up 
and then send, send it to Andrea and let him actually like, you know, <laughs> what about you? Ari? How, how do you, what's your process? Uh, my process tends to be a little different for everything. All right. Some things I know very clearly what I want, like at every step in the way and some processes I'm like, or some, uh, some stories I'm like, I know I'm, I start here, I end there, how I get here, I'll sort of figure out along the way. What I usually end up doing is I usually start writing a part of the story first that interests me the most, that seems to be like the most interesting uh, dialogue or the thing that, you know, I'll start, what I'll often do is I'll be like, I should start at the beginning. So I'll start right at the beginning and then I'll have an idea and I'll write it down somewhere and I'll go back to the beginning and I'll have another idea and I'll write it down. Eventually, one of these ideas will be like, well, why am I writing the first scene if the ideas I'm having are for like three quarters of the way through or for the climax or whatever. So like, well, let's work with that, you know, and then you'll start writing with some of that. And it doesn't even have to be great or good. It just has to be down. Uh, and you can always make it good or better or, you know, in, a, in, in any form uh, afterwards. So it's I kind of jump around a bit, uh, but... I, I do tend to have a pretty good idea about where I'm going before I start the story, even if I don't know all the details. And often, you know, halfway through, the characters themselves will reveal to me just in the way that, you know, I played with the interactions and in, a, in a very sort of like, you know, animistic way. It's like, it, it's not me doing it, it's the thing doing it. You know, the characters telling you, I wouldn't say that, I would say this. Like, okay, well, we have to go there then instead of here. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, as long as you're open, uh, then. And as long as you're okay with like knowing that you're going to keep revising and revising until it's exactly what you want it to be. And then the artist is going to do some revisions and then there's going to be a whole conversation, you know, that's and everything. Like yep. just, just jump in. You know? That's super well, interesting. So, oh, go ahead. Uh, so Matt, uh, you know, Sacrimony is a longer form story. Um, it, it, do you have the same kind of plans for, you know, multiple issues of, of this uh it goes on for a bit but i'm definitely not going to be working on this when i'm like 80 years old i think i i'm probably going to be done within like 20 to 24 issues so it's okay. it's still going to be a while it's going to be a fun ride i actually i started this as a web comic back in like 2013 which like helped keep me going because it helped hold me accountable because i was posting pages every week but like behind the scenes i actually have until like issue 13 pretty much done so it's just a matter of like going back and through. Yeah, I have like 300 pages of this. It's ridiculous. So I'm going through and I'm like refining things, making some of the writing better because I learned a lot since 2013. It's been literally like 10 years. Like I basically use this as a way to like teach myself to draw comics better because I'm self-taught. So I had no idea what the hell I was doing at the beginning, which is always fun. But yeah, so basically 20 to 24 issues, I'd say. It always saves us time having you on because we know who the art team is. You. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, everything. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I did have two flatters to help me with this. Otherwise, I'd have gone like completely insane. So I, I had Nikki as usual. Like she helped me a lot with the ceremony stuff. And I also had Lewis, who's like, uh, he's he's a. So, yeah, he goes by the name Lewis Morningstar. And I think he might actually be the devil because I'll give him like 10 pages and he'll have them done in like four hours. And I'm like, 
I'm okay with losing my soul over this. I'm asking you to sacrifice to get these four pages, but uh, yeah. yeah. Getting pages back is beautiful, and wasn't he the most beautiful angel? So I'm I'm with you. Yeah, yeah. I remember you guys were talking to me about like oh, getting like art emails and how exciting it is, and I'm like, I never get art emails unless I email myself, and I'm getting art emails, and I'm like, oh, this is so cool. Now I understand what you guys mean. It's amazing. I so what what are some of the tiers that you would really make, want people to hear about all right as we go through we go through the rewards i have a thing a tier with like everything i've done so far so it's uh the two issues of buddy and friend and then five issues of sacrimony i have a digital and a physical version i highly recommend that because i would also love for people to read sacrimony and see how completely different these two stories are and also because sacrimony is a great story it, read Sacrimony first and it'll make you depressed and then you can read Buddy and Friend and laugh and cheer yourself up and it'll be like, you know, your own personal little Prozac. Shot in the chaser. <laughs> nice. <laughs> that, that's your 30 second pitch right there though. It's just yeah. a little Prozac. There you go. Uh, yeah, I mean, I also did these like really cool variant covers because I love doing wow. multiple covers. I love doing covers in general. So I was just like, I love these covers because they happened really serendipitously. Like I was going to actually like, you know, do very like crisp inking over it and regular color but i was like no you know what the sketches look way cooler so i just left it like that and it was a beautiful accident cool very those cool. are always the best oh thanks all right so let's pop that out if you could because i'm always afraid that if i hit it out myself all right there we go i stopped sharing all right. but I, i'm still caring Yes, always. <laughs> All right, Todd, let's let's talk about Sheldon and um, oftentimes when we've got we've got a, a book about a dog, I'm gonna ask is is Sheldon a, a real pet or or is is this this crazy make em ups? I, I'm gonna be real, I wish I made him up. Uh, so uh, it's, it's we call it it's called Sheldon the Defender. Uh, Sheldon is the dog. We always called him Sheldon was his nickname. Oh, my I'm eyes scared. aren't working. No wonder. Okay. <laughs> no, I, uh, but I, I started uh, writing this, um, you know, what was it? It was uh, October of uh, 2021. So the uh, Sheldon passed away in his sleep. And um, I'd always wanted to do an all ages book. My daughter, uh, again, she'll be four at the uh, end of March. And um, it was just, you know, something I kind of wanted to do. And this was my way of, uh, you know, kind of getting to grieve and, and celebrate the dog as, uh, you know, he was 11. Uh, you know, I adopted him when he was four months old. So it was just one of those things where I got to, I got to work on it and it was a lot of fun. And let's see, I'm trying to uh, share my screen now. So, uh, but yeah, it just the whole project became, you know, a lot of fun. And, and, and probably a tribute, really. Yeah. yeah. How do I pick? Sorry, I've done this before. It's present and then um, comes Chrome up. tab. Yeah. yeah. And then you pick whatever. You pick the non-porn. Um, <laughs> Chrome tab, yeah. <laughs> which, which I'm sure nobody on this uh, panel would have had. A, there we go. Absolutely not. Cool. Is it showing? It is. Yes. Yep. Here we go. Bam. There you are. All right. So this is uh, Sheldor, the Defender. Um, and when we talked earlier, you know, obviously we talked about just kind of jumping in and, uh, you know, doing something. Oh, look at that. The number went up. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <That's always nice. laughs> 
That's what this is about me doing this Kickstarter. I had uh, been putting off doing a Kickstarter for the longest time. Uh, a lot of people had given me some great advice on how to do it, and I kind of kept uh, making excuses and making stalls because I was that guy that wanted to do it, you know, kind of perfectly. And there's just there's no way to do that. And uh, so I finally decided I was going to pull the trigger and do this. And uh, you know, Kevin, you shared some great advice with me at that uh, show we worked, um, you know, together about four weeks ago. Uh, so I, you know. I kept, again, kind of continuing to make excuses, but I finally just decided to rip the Band-Aid off, and, uh, you know, I put it together. We've got a really cool video. Uh, I don't know how well it would play here, but the, the video we got put together uh, looks like a, a trailer for a TV show, and um, that's been really cool. And, and we got out here, and the, uh, the artwork's done by a guy named Sergio uh, De Arcos, and uh, he's out of Spain. Uh, actually, Andrea uh, put me in touch with him. Uh, and uh, he was just absolutely amazing, did the art and the character designs, um, you know, really just kind of helped me take the book to the next level. Um, in terms of kind of getting into it, and, you know, like I said, I mean, I, I just kind of went with it and rolled with it. So, you know, my logo here is so funny. I, I, it took me forever to even find this because uh, that's how unorganized I was. And I got it up here, and it was up here for like four or five days before Sergio uh, reached out to me and said, "Hey, Todd, the uh, you know the letterer, you don't actually have Justin's name on there. You're using the old logo." And I was just like, "Oh, <laughs> well, you know." And he he was like, "I think you can change it." I'm like, "No, I'm good, man. We're gonna roll with it. Don't worry about it." <laughs> So we kept it very simple, you know, kind of explain the, uh, the story real quick. And again, like we talked about earlier, it's an all ages book uh, where, you know, Sheldor himself is, uh, you know, he's trained or tasked with uh, training his new apprentice puppy, uh, which her name's Pond, uh, which is also my puppy. Uh, so, you know, all three of my dogs are featured. Uh, they're actually the three uh, up front here. Uh, so Sheldor is the one in blue. Uh, Pawn Puppy is the, uh, you know, kind of princess one there. And then the one that kind of looks like he's straight out of World War Hulk, um, his name is Dozer, and uh, that's my other dog as well. So uh, I featured all three of mine, and then the, uh, the ones in the back on the cover, uh, they're all um, – you know, friends of mine, uh, their dogs. So when it came to, you know, kind of building my characters, I was like, you know, we can reinvent the wheel here or we can, you know, hit up some of my buddies and, and talk to them about their pups and let them feature their pups, um, you know, in the book as well. And that was, uh, that was a lot of fun because I got to know my friends a little bit better. And I also got to, uh, you know, interact with them about their pups. It's always a good time to talk to people about their dogs. I'm telling you, you know, we, we could do a whole separate podcast on that where we just get in here and talk about dogs. Mm-hmm. You're darn right. So how did you get your whole team together? Um, so Sergio did the, uh, you know, pretty much all the interior. Justin did um, the lettering. And I'm going to be very real with you in terms of uh, pulling the team together. I constantly bugged Andrea. Yeah. Um, I basically was just like, okay, cool. I want to build this like to a point where it's publisher ready. Um, you know, I want to take it that seriously. So I just, you know, I hit him up. I got him to give me pretty much any portfolio that he wasn't using so I could talk to artists. And I got him to, uh, you know, put me in touch with some letterers and I just reached out and, uh, you know, just got it to work out. So, uh, both, uh, Sergio and Justin were really fun to work with and, uh, you know, they were great. Uh, I'm probably going to continue working with them on other projects. Yeah. And that's kind of shout out to any, artists out there, uh, we're talking about Andrea Lorenzo Molinari, who's a, a Tarts editor for Scout. Um, and uh, I, I, I don't know his exact, you know, you know, 
managing editor or whatever at, at, at Scout, but basically he holds on to portfolios for 30 some writers out there who need people. So yeah. if you have a portfolio and you're looking for work, uh, try to find uh, Andrea Lorenzo Molinari. He writes The Shepherd and you put that into enough Google Forms and you're probably going to find find out how to reach him. And it, he's a great resource. And if you're a writer looking for artists, he's a super great guy who will just go, oh, yeah, here are the eight people I know that are good that are looking for work. Always. I would say, again, I'm absolutely, uh, absolutely amazing person, very helpful. Um, I met him in a show, you know, a few years back and we just kind of talked a little bit and, you know, we kept running into each other at shows and, you know, became friends and started chatting things out. And uh, again, he really just kind of helped take this book to the next level from just an editing and just, again, from, from all of his experience. I mean, I would hit him up at some of the most random times. And I mean, he always got back to me, always, you know, shoot me some feedback and just be open and real. But at the same time, would always encourage me to like, you know, do it, do it the way you want to do it. But this is my advice. Yeah. He and I always have a tug of war. He likes sound effects a lot more than me. <laughs> yeah. So I'll send a page that has zero sound effects and I'll get, um, you know, like nine sound effects that he thinks should be on the page. And I'm like, all right, I'm gonna throw him like three bones here. There you go. That's it. <laughs> so I pick like the three like best. Yeah. <laughs> so how long would this series go if you got to write the the entire story that you that you have in your? your um, so right now I've got it mapped out for four books. So each book has uh, has two chapters. And uh, so we're going to kind of take Sheldor on a bit of an emotional journey. And uh, book two is actually already in the works. So book two is a uh, Halloween and a Christmas special. And in uh, book two in the Halloween issue, he's going to meet his main antagonist. And he's going to have his first like pretty big failure. Um, and then his Christmas issue or chapter is going to be kind of his attempt at redemption. And, uh, you know, from there, he's going to kind of go on a little bit of a journey. But right now it's uh, it's it's probably going to be four issues. That'll be the whole trade. And, you know, he'll kind of get to go on his journey. And then we'll, we'll just kind of go from there. It's something I could continue to write. Uh, you know, I've got tons of stories that I could do. But it's uh, it's also a little bit emotional ta emotionally taxing. Uh, so it's one of those things where I, I've written out, um, you know, those four books and those eight chapters. I've got a couple different artists that are uh, working on additional chapters moving forward. Uh, so I probably by the end of this year, we'll have the other three books complete. That's awesome. Guys, we've got Jeff Weber in the chat. Hey, Jeff. Hey, Jeff. Uh, Hi, Jeff. Really happy to have you. We're going to start the show over. Everybody remember what you said? <laughs> All of it. Every All single right. word. Sweet. We got we to we take care of our buddy, Jeff. Uh, great to see you. No, um, that, that's great. So eight chapters, which would be four books. I think that's a brilliant way to do it. Are they about 12 pages a story or are they full, like each chapter, like 24? Uh, each chapter is about 12 pages. That's perfect for, you know, younger kids' attention, Sam. Give, get them some, get them in and out and start another adventure. That's really smart. Well, it's also easier to write. Win-win. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it works out really well. I mean, again, like it was easier to write. It's easier to keep them compact. And, you know, I, I try to write it. And again, I, I mentioned earlier, I have an almost uh, four-year-old. And as someone who has to read the same book to her over and over and over and over, I wanted to write this in a way that the parent that was having to read this over and over enjoyed it as well. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, that's kind of super critical for an all-ages book, especially if it's going to yeah. be something you'll read with a kid. 
Yeah. You want to read it too. Yeah. Shawnee in the <laughs> chat says, dang it, Kevin, you didn't warn me I'd need to take notes. That This is just <laughs> a, a general warning for the future. We expect everyone to be transcribing in real time. Uh, this is not this is not some fly by night operation. We're here to work. There will be a test. <laughs> ah, shit. <laughs> so I see Titan Titans on here. Uh, let uh, let everybody know what your other book is, which I can see is is people are able to get through this Kickstarter. Yeah. So I snuck. Uh, I had to sneak Project Titans in here just uh, as a little bit of an intro. So this was actually the first book I worked on, um, and, and really I guess kind of turned me into a comic book creator. Um, it's a little bit of kind of Dragon Ball meets Airbender. We follow our, uh, our main guy here uh, who's standing and about to get pummeled. Uh, he was called a nameless, and on his uh, 16th birthday, he's going to ascend and become a demigod-like creature called a titan. And his name is going to be revealed to him during that ascension. So this is his moment. This is his day. Um, unfortunately for him, it would be a really boring story if that worked out well. So our story starts the day before that's going to happen, and his island is attacked by a legendary creature called the Shade, which is this big, creepy-looking dude here. Um, so it turns, it's up to him and his two young Titan guides, Halo and Hope, to try and fend this creature off, save everyone on the island, and survive until sunrise when he's going to get his name and get his abilities. So this is the uh, first issue. I have uh, the first seven completed. Uh, the first five issues are called The Night of the Nameless, and they kind of cover what I just talked about. Uh, I don't really get into anything else after that because it's got spoilers. Uh, but so I went ahead and threw Project Titans in here and just called it The Ones. I got kind of goofy with my names um, on my tiers. Um, actually, Matt Knowles reached out to me after I launched this and uh, let me know that I forgot to include a digital tier. So I did end up adding a digital tier. Uh, for six dollars so somebody could just get shell door um but when i wanted to uh put my tears together i just you know i i try to keep them simple uh with this being the first uh you know kickstarter that i was doing and not having to, I've, I've never fulfilled anything like this before so uh, i wanted to keep it nice and simple I wanted to keep the things i knew i had i knew i could uh you know fulfill pretty easy so uh it just made sense to uh to put project titans in there for anybody who was interested that's that's very smart and uh, i that's great advice for anyone doing the first campaign uh, the, the fewer um, options there are for people to back, the fewer organization, organizational nightmares you're going to have delivering. So, yep. you know, keep it simple for your first one so that you're more likely to deliver on time and people come back to back your second one. So that's a really smart way to do it. Thank you. And one of one of the tiers, are there still any tiers left over where people could have their dogs drawn in? I uh, so that actually, that. Uh, the, the last one was yesterday. Oh, you uh, sold it out. Beautiful. Yeah, so that was down here, become, become part of the pack. Um, and so we had 12 spots open um, in issue two uh, where you could get your dog worked in. And uh, so the hope when I launched this Kickstarter, um, and again, followed uh, actually Kevin's advice and extended it, uh, basically made it so it was four weeks. And so my goal when I was coming in marketing it was that I was going to basically focus on a different tier kind of marketing each week. So a lot of those this last week, I've been focusing on this become part of the pack tier. Um, you know, and I knew a couple of people that were going to jump on it. And obviously I know I've got a bunch of friends that are dog lovers. And, you know, I just was kind of hopeful that that people would get as much joy out of it as I did. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it just, it popped off. So it went really well. Pretty much I was like two a day where we're kind of getting taken up and, that's really interesting too, because I, I was surprised by some of the, the spots that got taken because they just weren't individuals that I 
I would have pegged or, or thought about. Um, but again, it just, it got out there and people enjoyed it. So, uh, all 12 spots got taken. Um, and that was really, really cool. And then I had a few people reach out like, Hey, you know, when you do the next one, are there going to be other spots? Like I, I want to get on it. Uh, so I, I think it's going to be something where you kind of keep where I allow people to, uh, you know, kind of get their pup added in there. Uh, cause it just, it makes it fun. Yeah, no, that's absolutely cool. Nice. So, that you're going to have to find more spots for uh, the next Kickstarter for uh, issue three. Yeah, definitely. Or, or issue two. Or, or, no, yeah, issue three. Yeah. Kickstart yeah. two and, and draw them in for issue three. That's beautiful. Yeah, that's yep. something that uh, I I just did as an add-on in mine where you could get added on as the murder victim in the next issue of Crime Busters. And someone snapped up immediately. So I'm like, well, issue seven, I need to have like 30 people get killed. So I can- <laughs> Dude, people love getting killed in comics. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It got it. It got a lot gorier uh, when you saw when when you're the red turned to green. It got a lot gorier, huh? Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, as Matt has said, it's a lot of people are really into it. Uh, my buddy Dave Bishop, who isn't writing it as much anymore, but he did a lot of horror, and he would have uh, most of his commission work was you dead, basically, and he'd sold mm-hmm. about every campaign. <laughs> nice. I don't know if that's a tier that I would select, but that's just me. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? You don't. You don't need everybody to select it. You just need. You need the people who are there for it. And uh, exactly. There's lots of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, is there anything left on the campaign you want to make sure you get out before we pop off the page? So we got one other. Uh, so I partnered with uh, Gregos Comics in Tifton, Georgia. Um, uh, Scott Andrew, absolute great guys. Uh, so Scott's an artist himself, and he's actually doing a, uh, a main a cover for me, so a variant cover. Uh, so like I talked about, I wanted to kind of focus on a different tier each week. So we're actually going to do the cover reveal uh, this week and uh, really try to focus on, you know, talking about this tier for, for probably, again, the next week, week and a half or so. And then uh, once we actually fulfill, uh, we're going to go to uh, Grey Ghost Comics and do a signing there. And, you know, this variant is going to be only available at Grey Ghost Comics. Or through the Kickstarter, cool. right? Yeah, or the Kickstarter, right? Oh, gotcha. Cool. Awesome. All right. Well, beautiful. If you can pop that out, and we'll do, uh, we'll check this comment that just came in. Um, oh, so um, if I hit it right, Shawnee says it can be cathartic to be slain as a comic character. So <laughs> they're just funny. Like it's like, haha! Like someone cut my throat. Look at that. You know, it's just something funny about it. It is absolutely. So here's where I would be more concerned. I'm okay if I choose to make myself as a slang comic book character. Where I'm going to be more concerned though is like if my wife picks that option and like. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, yeah, Mata, you're going to have lots of violence in issue two. You know, I, I used to, like, think about doing the, like, you get killed in this comic thing, but then I'm like, it also slows down, like, me making yeah. comics, because then you have to wait. And then it's like, <laughs> someone's like, oh, you know, I don't know if I want to get killed this way or that way. Like, it's always a cool idea, but I'm like, then I have to I have to wait on, like, this one person who is, like, a bit indecisive. We've, we've yeah. had two people drawn into our comics. One is in Tart 14 as the sheriff of the, the Western town. And one will be in Tart 16 as, you know, no spoilers. But um, yeah, it's definitely your waiting. But 
the cool thing is both people that backed, I actually already had photos of them because they'd done commissions of themselves. So if they didn't send it, we knew what they Got looked it. like. So we were, we happened to luckily be set, but yes, it's, it's a danger if they don't send it to you, but also if they don't send it to you, that's on them, you know? Yeah. True. <laughs> So um, let's do uh, an elevator pitch of all the projects again, and then Will and I will talk about all the books that I don't know a lot about because I, I ain't been here. Um, uh, so, Scott, if you could talk to uh, one more time on the Crime Busters, if you, if you were at a comic convention, how would you get people uh, attention at your table? Yeah, so Crime Busters is. Let's. Uh, it's, if you could check your microphone, I think it pulled out again. It's yeah. it's there, but it's it's light. It's a little low, yeah. Can you hear me now? Um, I guess pull it up. Uh, how about now? No, but if you just talk loud, we'll just get through it. <laughs> okay, I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure what the problem. That's is, good. But, um, yeah, the Crime Busters. It's basically Scooby Doo meets Lovecraft. It's a group of teen detectives in the 1950s uh, who investigate supernatural mysteries that are taking place around the college that they go to. Uh, but sometimes uh, it turns out that the ghosts are actually ghosts. They're not always, you know, a real estate agent or something, uh, something like that. And uh, so the fifth issue is out right now. And uh, it's basically my riff on a night at museum. The group goes to a museum to investigate a mystery. They get trapped inside, and the magic spell brings all the the uh, displays to life, and they have to sort of battle their way out. So uh, that's that's the current campaign for Crumbusters number five. Beautiful. I'm very excited to do it. All right, let's get Awakening uh, uh, one more time for people. How, how would you get their attention at a comic convention? If you like uh, Star Trek, if you like classic science fiction, uh, if you like issues of trying to figure out what, which way the story is going, uh, this is for you. Awakening is a ship at the edge of an unexplored galaxy uh, trying to puzzle over the celestial anomaly when one of the crew members is uh, affected and starts seeing things that nobody else sees. Uh, let me see if I remember exactly what I said before. Things go from... <laughs> Things go from bad to worse, and things get interesting, and you'll have to see how it ends. Yep. Get it back, and you'll see how it ends. I don't know. I said better the first time. Don't make me repeat myself. And no, that, that was you should have been mistake. taking that notes. Was, yeah, that was my yeah. mistake, and I apologize. I know. Um, I take notes all the time. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally, Kevin Joseph. Let's talk about the misadventures of Buddy and Friend. It is a ridiculous, funny, ridiculously funny fantasy comic that reads like a D&D campaign where everyone rolls a one, and it makes fun of a lot of fantasy tropes. Beautiful. Nice. All right. And Todd, we, we just talked about it, but, you know, like Jeff came in, we, there could be someone popping in. So if they just popped yeah. in, how would you get their attention about Sheldor? I'll say it right this time. All right, so we have Sheldor the Defender, uh, an all-ages book that follows uh, the, the bestest boy who has bitten off more than he can chew. Uh, Sheldor is in charge of training his, uh, his new apprentice, uh, Princess Pawn Puppy, and uh, he is going to have to help her you know, become a great warrior dog so that they can protect their persons and make sure that they fight off the, the great threats uh, like you know the teddy bear that they left in the backyard or uh, the EPS truck or uh, potentially the dogs on the other side of the fence. So uh, <laughs> that is Sheldor the Defender. Awesome. Todd, Matt, Ari, Scott, we really appreciate you hanging with us tonight. Uh, we're going to answer one thing with Jeff put in the comments, and then uh, Will and I are going to talk about the campaigns that are still alive. 
if you want to hang with us, we'd love to have you. But if if it's time to, to shut it off, we totally understand. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll say to good, good night to anybody who's popping off. And then we'll, we'll say good night to the others later when we get done. But <laughs> Jeff in the comments said, I really like doing the appear in the comic rewards. I'll definitely do it again in the future. It would work even better if I planned for it when the art is being created. Yes, that is <laughs> it, that is super important to leave a spot in the panel saying whoever your, backs this is probably going to be this character. Um, yeah. Your face here. Big, really big crowd scene, and then you can get like 30 people in. Tiny. Yeah. So I'll stay for with uh with the dogs i i wrote the script ahead of time and created like the spots and i even already wrote the dialogue so essentially whenever i get the pictures of the dogs all the artist is going to create the characters and then i'm going to send the dialogue to the um the pet parents and basically mm -hmm. be like how would your dog say this because everybody's got their own voice for their dogs so like how how is your dog going to say this like you give it back to me and then i'll put it in there and then that way, when you nice. read this and you see your pup, like they're saying it the way you want them to say it so that it resonates with you. Yeah. People that don't have dogs and cats in your house are looking at you like you're crazy. Everybody who has a dog and cat knows exactly what yep. what you just <laughs> said and why. You're like, yeah, no, that's exactly right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. No, Harpo wouldn't say that. Are you kidding? No. <laughs> right, right. well, I'm going to hop off because uh, I think my kid's going to wake up at like four in the morning. Uh, oh. So. Yeah. Well, you you, you have fun then, Todd. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It was nice to meet, nice to meet everybody. Nice yeah. meeting you. Nice Good night. You. All right. So, Will, I might be able to talk about some of these, um, but one question I have is Brent's um, puzzle uh, campaign closed, or is that still live? Yes. That finished. Um, All right. Didn't you start a new one like yesterday yeah. or something, Land of the Dragon? Coming, yep, number two. In. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. So then, oh, Pocus Hocus is is still live. Mm -hmm. uh, actually, um, I've got them sorted in order. If you want to start uh, the one the ending soonest first. Yeah, you definitely couldn't have just talked about it. No. Yeah. You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm gone for three weeks, and he organizes. We don't do this organized, Will. Come on, man. Uh, well, right. Mixology. Mixology which is up, out on the screen right now. Uh, book one, uh, Sazerac and Vesper, is ending, I believe, in on February 17th. So uh, it is a, an anthology. It's actually a flip book uh, that uh, gets into a little bit of, uh, you know, it brings in drinking and, and drinks. And uh, it's, in kind of a, it's a kind of a dark fantasy with... Uh, Two separate stories. And, and he said, a... yeah, each story is based on a drink, basically. Yeah. He gets his inspiration from the drink to create yeah. the the plots of the story, which is, I think is an interesting way to get into it. So oh, also, oh, sorry to cut you off, but but uh, his book idea was like super fancy. He was going to have like these velvet covers with like gold foil on them. And it's like, damn, I'm kind of jealous. Because <laughs> yeah, his, his whole dealie was to get them like selling in bars, and they look like super classy. So that's a that's cool awesome. idea. That's awesome. And it's a flip book, which I think is really really cool too. You know, you got you read it the first story, and then you flip it over and you read the second story. But he should he should have like a coaster like on the book, so people can put their drink on it without, <laughs> without mm. damaging it. Yeah, 
just one spot that's like protected or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. With velvet covers, though, that's so that's so risky. Yeah, yeah very risky. Well, then they have to buy it again. Yeah. Oh no! <laughs> All right, and now uh, it's because Kevin has ruined it. Uh, that <laughs> guy, we had that guy from Pocus Hocus. I mean, he's he's here, you know. You notice, you notice Alan, <laughs> Alan comes back all the time, but Will was only on Will, once. I think yeah. we might have worn out our welcome with Will, but obviously Alan doesn't hate us. <laughs> no. And you know what? He was like, there can be only one Will on the show, so. Yeah. That makes and sense. I won. Yeah. Yep. Right. <laughs> Last Will standing. Yeah, but uh, yeah, Alan was on the show, and, and he's always great to have on because he's got such a great sense of humor. But uh, yeah, Pocus Hocus is a comedy uh, where a Sorcerer has sold his soul and maybe realizes that that probably wasn't the best thing to do and is trying now to get that soul back. And uh, hijinks ensue. How about that? Beautiful. <laughs> Our good friend Clay Adams. And uh, actually, since I'm in a different spot, Clay writes it. Kyle Roberts draws it. Kyle oh, actually yeah. just on his own did a tart uh commission just just because he wanted to and that's one of the ones that that i that i have and what i'm saying is anyone who if you want to draw a tart and send it to me i will put it up in my room cool uh, challenge accepted yeah so um I, I i always i always accept that and want that but um kyle and, and clay put this together with two public domain characters one you definitely heard of that whole that whole frankenstein monster guy and one that I'd never heard of, the the blazing world, right? And that mm -hmm. it's what like the 1600s. Uh, this portal fantasy of a woman who goes through, and there's talking animals and all craziness. And Clay and and uh, Kyle decided just to put them together and see what happened. And it's beautiful. I mean, it's Kyle's. So it's yeah. beautiful art mm -hmm. and a fun story, and definitely worth checking out. Absolutely. Alan Moore's the Levick story, gentlemen. Uh, features the blazing world in the black dossiers or one of the maybe two or three of the books like yeah you're you're absolutely right and that's where clay first heard about it and kind of went down the rabbit hole of okay. it and decided yeah. that's neat let's play with it and because yeah. it happens in in the north like near the north pole or at least in yeah. the arctic he decided well that's where frankenstein the novel ends right just off the yeah let's see what I happens it's a good thing he didn't hit the uh, portal into Pellucidar instead. You know, it's pretty busy up there, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right. And uh, John Eddingville II, uh, Rancidville is uh, an, a three-part uh, series. This is going to be sound familiar very soon. And this is the third part. So this is the final. You can actually catch up and get the entire series of three young friends. Or, well, one person moves into a town and meets two friends and the three of them basically fight an evil city uh council uh and solve is, a murder yeah the solve a murder and the, the council's up to some shenanigans and the kids uh try to to fight them and john writes and draws it himself and he's got a really cool interesting style that 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 is perfect for this type of a story um and and well worth your time in checking out Ryan Kroboth, another good friend, and this is part three of a three-issue series, and so you can get them all. If you haven't done it yet, you can get the complete series, and Sunmaker is a world that has frozen, and um, a guy who can 
bring heat and fire and light in um, magically, decides to fight all these blue little wizardy cold guys. But um, he realizes that if he's going to live out his um, destiny, uh, that might not be the best thing. And he's got to figure out if, if uh, doing the thing he was born to do is the right thing after all. And uh, I'm excited to, to finally uh, get that because Ryan's been drawing it and uh, they've, been, they've been working it on a while. So both of those campaigns are, uh, you can get the full series and catch up. And I think yeah. we got it, right, Will? Um, I think so. Um, you know, we have some friends that have launched, you know, Cat uh, and Phil have launched Hairology. Mm -hmm. uh, which is a celebration of hair, uh, which has an intro by uh, Gail Simone, which is yes. really amazing. Yeah. Um, Brant, uh, Last Ember Press just la launched In the Land of the Dragon, uh, numbers one and two. Uh, so that's definitely check that one out. And I think I'm sure we'll have them on the show uh, eventually. But, you know, hey, they just launched. So get on them now and then, uh, mm -hmm. you know, you'll be ready. Uh, that guy. That guy. Uh, <laughs> that guy. Charlie Stickney uh, launched Glarian, Short and Deadly, a hardcover, which uh, is absolutely beautiful looking. And we have a puppy. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think, let's see. Uh, oh, and he's not been on the, he hasn't been on the show in a while, but uh, Pat Shand is running uh, Cerulean Dreams, number it's one. It's sort of like an annual of his, of his... Of, different yeah. uh books which is a really interesting idea and, and really absolutely cool. and he's killing it because he's passionate exactly it's what absolutely. he do yeah that's that's what that uh, you, you're absolutely right um and then i've got one other thing that i'm backing just because i think everybody else on kickstarter is backing it too uh this this really unknown uh indie 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 comic artist and writer that you've never heard of uh terry moore <laughs> I knew that was coming up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Terry uh launched uh After Dark, which is a sketchbook that is absolutely freaking killing it on Kickstarter right now. And I think that is great because Terry's bringing, you know, more fans that have never been on Kickstarter to the platform and I think that's great for all of us. So, mm -hmm. uh, I'm I'm happy to see that he's having such success with that. That's great. Well, if we're going to do that, I'm going to shout out Eric Palicki's Orphans Revisited. His oh. uh, book, Orphans, is the first book he ever created, and he decided to bring it out one last time. Uh, so this is kind of the only way you can get Eric's first ever work. I haven't read Orphans. I don't know anything about it, but um, I've read um, No Angel, which is a great four-issue uh, mini uh, that you should check out. I believe, I believe it was black mask, put it out. Um, oh, cool. but Eric is all, all of Eric's books are really interesting. He's got a scout book. Um, I believe it's Atlantis was made for tourists, but it's, it's something like that. I'm, I, it's late and I'm tired. So I'm probably messing up the name of it, but, <laughs> but nice. just check out orphans because it is the last time you can give this book. He's not printing it ever again. So it's worth it. And uh, I think we did it, man. It's twelve fifteen. I think we 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 knocked we survived. Out Hooray! <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, thank you, everybody, for joining us, Jeff, Shawnee. Um, really appreciate you hanging with us, and uh, 
we will see you next week. We've got we got a barn burner next week. It, it might barely be able to, to live up to this week's, but I don't think so. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night. Thanks.